Uh, we're still on God's plan for his church. I got a, another message for you. And today is we're going to ask the question. You can ask your neighbor this. Are you the real deal? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, are you the real deal? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, uh, guys, uh, let's go to our scripture reading. We're going to start off with uh, in First Thessalonians chapter number 2, verse number 1. But before we go there, I'm going to start off. In your notes, we have, I, I, I took the liberty of looking up the definition of, of authentic for you because some people don't really know what authentic means. So I, I just took the liberty of defining it for you. What are y'all going to tell y'all, Pastor? Oh, you're so, you're so welcome. Watch what this definition says, guys, of what authentic means. Because, again, and truly, uh, sometimes in life, we think we're being true and being authentic, but sometimes we're really not. Listen to these definitions. It's not false or copied. Genuine. It's real. Having an origin supported by unquestionable evidence, authenticated or verified. Third definition, representing one's true nature or beliefs. Listen to that. Representing one's, represent, let me say it again, representing one's true nature or beliefs. True to oneself or to the person identified. Entitled to acceptance or belief because of agreement with known facts or experience. Reliable, trustworthy, trustworthy. Now, as as we look uh, in in our text and we're going to, talk about uh, this morning uh, several things, but uh, we're going to talk about cultivating authentic community and how to experience authentic community as a born-again believer. Now, when we started this series on God's plan for his church, one of the, things, the first thing I did was is define to you what a kingdom is. Because if you studied the, the Gospels, Jesus talked an awful lot about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Is that, is that true? And see, whenever you have a king, kingdom, you must have a king. And what we discovered is, as born-again believers, we should be operating under kingdom principles as we live our lives. We should never elevate any other thing, including our patriotism, our ethnicity, uh, our family of origins, we should, uh, our sorority, our fraternity. We should never elevate any of those things above kingdom principle because Jesus Christ is the king of the kingdom for everybody who's a born again believer. Can I get a witness? And the king has a right to lay out what the citizens of the kingdom, what they should do, what they can and what they can't do and how they should operate. Can I get a witness? And so as we looked at God's plan for his church, we know as we studied it that God's plan all along was to bring the different ethnicities into one body. That's the body of Christ. Out of two people, he made one such that when we come together in such unity that Jesus prayed for, the world will, will, will know that Jesus Christ was valid and that his mission on earth, a, on earth was a true mission and that they will see that man, humankind, can get along. Humankind can walk in unity when we come together on the common ground of Christ Jesus. Now look at our text in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2. The Apostle Paul is the writer of this text. Okay? Uh, and, and, and we'll read a few verses here and then we're going to jump over to Acts the second chapter. Talking about asking the question, are, you, are we the real deal? And you make that personal, am I the real deal? I say I'm a Christian, 
But am I really living this out? If, if I look at what the king says about the citizens of his kingdom and how they should be operating, am I really bought into that or am I just doing it because pastor said so? Or am I just doing that just so, uh, you know, uh, uh, people won't come and ask me this or ask me that? Am I really genuinely sold out to Jesus? And I think when you start really looking at that and you start examining yourself and others, uh, what, really just examine yourself because really it, it ain't about you examining anybody else except yourself. And I think sometimes we're not as dedicated and authentic about our faith as we confess to be. Because if I'm authentic, that means that, that, that I'm going to be like the Apostle Paul. I'm going to die to self. Self may want to do this, but word says do this. And if I'm, de- if I'm dead to self, then I, when I, once I know what word says, then self, what self wants has to take a back seat to it. See, authenticity is what we're looking for. Now, the Apostle Paul is the writer of this text. And Paul, as he writes uh, first uh, from this book, this, fir- this first letter to the Thessalonican believers in the church here, uh, there was, there, Paul actually was, uh, his, his auth- the authenticity of his apostleship was actually being challenged. And they, they spread rumors about Paul, about that he was preaching for money and, and on down the line. So Paul begins to lay out some things about what it means to be an authentic believer. And he, he, he in effect, defends his apostleship. Look, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, verse number 1. Can we start there right quick? The text says, "You your, can y'all read with me? Let's read. You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a what? It was not a failure. Let's keep reading. You know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Now remember, the Apostle Paul was the purveyor of the multi-ethnic church message. God gave him specific responsibility and assignment to go and to build multi-ethnic churches. The Apostle Paul, when he began to share his vision with the Jews, the Jewish Christians and those who followed Judaism and still tried to hang on to the tenets of Judaism and bring it over into Christianity, a lot of them came against Paul real hard because they didn't understand what the plan of God was all along. They thought that they had a a special place with God that nobody else could have. But God's, God, the blessing of Abraham, we discovered, was for not only the Jew, but the Gentile also. Can I get a witness? Let's keep reading. Text says this. You know how badly we have been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there? Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of what? Great opposition. Guys, because you're facing opposition does not mean that you keep quiet. The problem that we have today with the American church and Christians today, we're afraid of a little criticism. We're afraid of, of, being, of being talked about. We're afraid of somebody not agreeing with us. Guys, I'm telling you, when you start doing God's will and what we're trying to do as a church here, I'm not naive enough to believe that the devil ain't going to come and try to disrupt this church family. I know he's going to come. Just like he came against the Apostle Paul, he's going to try to come and get you to change your mind about God's plan for his church. But let me tell you something. I I pray that every last one of you are rooted and grounded in God's word to the point to where you don't care what anybody else says. God's word is going to be the the lamp that guides your footsteps. 
God's word would be the, 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 the prevail truth that allows you to move, amen, when God says move. Are y'all tracking with me today? Uh, okay, let's keep reading. Uh, it, next verse is, so, 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 so you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. That's what they were accusing Paul of doing because Paul was now taking the gospel to another region. He was, he was forming multi-ethnic churches and some people didn't like it. The devil didn't like it. The devil hates unity. I told y'all before and I'll say it again. The only math he knows is what? Division. However he can divide you, whether it's by ethnicity, whether it's by region, whether it's by uh, family of origins, he'll try to divide you, whether it's by denomination, he will divide because he knows if the church is divided, then our testimony is ruined. Are you listening to me today? For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God. Y'all not reading with me. See, I need you to read with me because this word needs to get down in your spirit. I need you to hear what the word of God says. For we speak as what? Messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. What's, the, what's another word for the good news? The gospel. And what did we discover the gospel was? The gospel was, which was preached before to Abraham, Galatians 3 and 8, the gospel before was aforetime a priest to Abraham that he would be what? The father of many nationalities. That's, that's the byproduct of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is that he would bring all together into one, into one body. For we speak as messages approved by God to be trusted with good news. Our purpose is what? To please God, not people. Now, some of y'all are people pleasers. Can I just be honest with you? Some of y'all are people pleasers, your family pleasers, your mama's pleasers, your daddy's pleasers. Even if mama is telling you something that goes against God's word, you don't want to hurt mama's feelings. You know, she getting old. Well, mama, if you're wrong, you're wrong. <laughs> daddy, if you're wrong, you're wrong. Listen to what Paul says. Paul says, our purpose is what? To please who? And what? See, any church body that gets to a point to where they're spending all their time trying to please people to keep people, you will veer away from God's word. I told y'all before and I said again, there are going to be some times that as your pastor, you'll get a little warm with me. And I'm okay with that. Because if I'm speaking truth into your life and nobody really likes to be told that what they're doing is not right, especially if you're passionate about it. So you may get a little bit warm with me, but check the scripture out. If, 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 you, if you can come to me and exegete the scripture text and show me that what I just told you is wrong, baby, I'm, I will embrace that and I will change my tune. But if you just tell me, well, I just don't feel like that. I don't want that. What if this word says our purpose is what? To please and not as your pastor, I'm just telling you right now, I love all of y'all, but I am not going to get before the beam of judgment seat of Christ and have Christ Jesus dress me down because I wouldn't speak truth to you. I ain't going to do it. I said, I ain't going to do it. Let me say it again. I am. This is not grammatically correct, but I'll say it the way we said in the country. I ain't going to do it because God is going to hold me responsible for what I share to you. He alone does what he alone. He alone does what? examines the motives of our hearts. So quit trying to examine the motives of people's hearts. That's, that's, up to, that's up to God to do. Can we keep reading? All right. 
Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. Some were accusing Paul of preaching just to receive financial, uh, 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 to be the recipient of financial blessings from those who he was teaching to. And, and we know, watch what this text says. Keep reading. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. If you will ever get over that need to be liked by everybody, that's why I got Facebook with its fraudulent self. Have y'all been have y'all have y'all have y'all been following that whole situation about what Facebook does and some of the back behind the scenes stuff that has caused all kinds of I say cause it, it's a tool that the enemy used to divide people. I told you before, he doesn't care how he does it, he'll divide. And 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 the 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 vitriol, the animosity that is prevalent in this country today is ridiculous. And a lot of it comes from people listening to other people saying dumb stuff on social media and in person. <laughs> As for human praise, we we have never sought it from you or anyone else. And if, learn to get free from seeking praise from people. Because if you're going to live for Christ, I'm telling you, you're going to have your critics. All right? Next verse. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. It says, as apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you. But instead, we were like children among you. Or we were like a mother feeding and caring for our own children. I'm going to stop right here because I, 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 we're going to come back and we're going to begin to unpack this uh, section by section. Okay? But before I get into that, let's go to Acts, the second chapter. Because... One of the things that we've been asking and, and encouraging each one of you all to do is to, to understand and embrace the concept of authentic community as a church member. Now, I, I said this several years ago, and I'll say it again, particularly as it relates to this church, you Elizabethans up in here. One of the things I think that we have struggled with is understanding what authentic community is outside of church. One of the things that I think I don't think we really grasped the concept of is developing authentic community. Our concept has been a fellowship of just when we come together on Sunday morning, go to our Sunday school class, study some word, okay, hug a little bit at the church, talk a little bit, and then we leave you. I'll see you next Sunday. Love you. We're doing life together. But in actuality, that's not doing life together. Acts 2, 42. Let's look at the early church. Now, guys, would you agree with me that the early church, when you study the book of Acts and other epistles that Paul wrote, the early church had significant impact on the culture? Would y'all agree? If you are described as a group of people who have turned the world upside down, wouldn't you agree that that group of people is having impact? not only just in the individual setting, but in the community at large. What do we quote every Sunday? We are believing to be, that we're going to become disciple believers who consistently walk in the ways of God and have what? Kingdom impact in our homes, schools, jobs, and the community at large. We want to reflect our faith. In other words, people need to see our faith in action. Reflect our faith and lead others 
into a personal relationship with the Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we want to become. But in order to become that, guys, we have to embrace the concept of authentic community, genuine, real. I'm not talking about come to class and then you sit there on Zoom and then click your button, don't say nothing. And when you do say something, it's it's because somebody had to ask you a question and you're not really engaged. And you smile, but you're not really engaged, you're not connected, and you don't want nobody really too close to you. It's going to get tight up here. It's tight, but it's right. Because I know what I'm talking about. Amen? And what I'm telling you is, if we're going to be authentic, if we're going to be the real deal, we got to examine ourselves and look at where we're caught coming short as it relates to embracing and doing life together. And I hear some of y'all right now with your pride say, well, ain't nobody going to tell me who I can be friends with. Grow up. I heard that in my spirit. This is, this is strong. It's all get out. What I'm telling you is, if you believe that the Bible is God's word, then God's word speaks to us, and we are citizens of the kingdom. Citizens of the kingdom have to operate under kingdom principles, what the word of God, what our king tells us to do. So you got to decide whether or not you're going to be really a disciple, believer, or you just want to be somebody who, I just want to get to heaven, pastor. Well, I'm telling you, God wants to use you while you're here on earth to reach somebody, and there are people that you can reach that I can't even reach. So God wants to use you, so get ready. Watch the text. Can y'all read with me? Let's go. All the believers, stop, 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 stop. All the believers, what? Stop, 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 stop again. All the believers did what? Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And to what? Wait a minute, back up. All the believers did what? Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to what? Sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. And to what? They devoted themselves to these four things, the apostles teaching, and the apostles were teaching what Jesus had said. They were teaching scripture. And to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. You know, we're going to look at here in a second, and we're going to unpack Psalms 133 when it says how good it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And most people... Let me give you a little cultural history uh, when we've used that, particularly in the, in the, in the predominant African American church. We have something what we call, I don't, I don't know if y'all, when I, when I was financing churches when I was at the bank, I would have to describe, whenever I was financing a predominantly African American church, I would have to describe to my coworkers how fundraising goes in predominantly African American churches on a historical basis. Now, again, we don't do that here. Uh, as much as it used to be. And, and I don't think you see it as much as you used to see it. But they, they have something we call annual days. Y'all know what an annual day is? That means the ushers have an annual day. A day where all the ushers invite ushers from other churches to come and have a, what they call a fellowship program. We would have a men's day program. 
you know, where, where the men's ministry would come together and have a, we, we would meet at 2, 10, 30, 10 o'clock service, and then at 2.30, we would invite a guest preacher, and that guest preacher would bring his choir and ushers, and hopefully their men, they would come together, we would invite other churches, and sometimes when you had that annual, that program on an annual day, you invite even some other churches, and you invite three churches to come and sing what we call an A and a B selection. Can I educate y'all for a second? I ain't saying nothing wrong with it, but I'm saying that's the way things were done in, in, a, in an effort to do what we call community fundraise. In other words, some, not all, let me back up. A lot of people, can I, can I talk about the EBC? When I came to pastor EBC over 32 years ago, uh, there were probably five people who were tithing faithfully. And let me say something right quick. Listen, you, you're not going to hear us beat you over the head about giving, but we're going to teach you about giving. We're going to exhort you about what God's word says about giving. I am, I am completely unashamed to talk about giving. I'm a preacher who, who's not ashamed to talk about giving because I know, what, I know what giving does. It opens the avenue of trust to God that many of us don't really realize we don't really trust God until we actually give us something that we don't want to turn loose of. So, so here at this church, uh, when we start teaching about giving, we didn't beat people over here. We taught. And so, so we know that, that, that the minimum of your giving should be the tithe. Can I, can I say that unmistakably without, without any fear or trepidation? The minimum of our giving should be 10% of what we bring in, 10% of our increase. Y'all know what increase is? That's W-2 wage money. That's profit from business money. That's, that's your birthday money. You got $2,000 for Christmas. Then two hundred dollars to go to the Lord. Can pastor teach a little bit? Say teach, pastor. I'm gonna teach you, baby. All right, watch this. So, so whatever the Bible says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. And so says up thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses will burst out with new wine. Now we don't. Most of us don't have a barn, and we sure don't know what a press for wine. We may drink wine, but we don't know what a press of wine is. But it was an agricultural-based economy then that the, that the writer was riding into. But they understood very clearly that when they honored God with the first fruit of everything that came in, and, and there are people who are still trying to teach first fruit offerings uh, in, in a way that's, I, I, don't, I don't think necessarily scriptural, but the, the, the long and short of it is we're under grace, and grace giving never goes below what was, what was required in the law, which was tithing. Tithing was before the law, during, and after all right, so that's, that's my little spiel, my preacher spiel. So don't get mad and leave the church. Okay? But, 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 but when we look at this thing, guys, we have to do it God's way. Are y'all still tracking with me today? So when God tells us to do something, we got to do it. So uh, y'all, I lost my point. Where were I going with that? Anybody remember? Y'all don't remember, but the Holy Spirit is going to bring it back to remember. Guys, listen to me. It's, listen to what he says here. All the believers devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So what I'm telling you is that, that, that we're going to do it God's way. All right? So when we do it God's way, I start off by saying here, yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit. When, when we first started pastoring, there was only about five people who were tithing faithfully. But as we begin to teach what God's word says about giving, and we begin to transform the mindset then more and more people begin to sow and, and, and God begin to bless more and more. We do not 
we, we, we don't spend, we, we're not going to spend five hours trying to strong arm anybody into doing anything. Because if you give and it's not a faith, you don't get blessed anyhow. All right? So, but, but I'll start out by telling you about those 2.30 programs. We were, you know, people weren't tithing, so they would have 2.30 programs in order to help fundraise uh, the, the church's budget. And so if I brought, if a church came to the program, they would also bring an offering. And then we got visitors coming, they would bring an offering. That's the way churches raise money. Now, COVID has cut a lot of that stuff out, right? And we, we cut it out a long time ago. I'm not saying it's wrong to do it. I'm just saying that if you do it God's way, you don't have to depend on other churches to help you meet the needs in your church. I've said it for 30, listen to me. I need y'all to listen to me very carefully. For 32 straight years, God has caused the budget in this church, the, re- the receipt, receipts of this church to go up every year for 32 years. During times of recession. And it ain't because we anything special. We just decided a long time ago we're going to do it God's way. Amen? All right, all right, all right. So, so, so uh, you know, and if I get invited to preach at a 2.30 service, y'all just bear with us. I know some of y'all have gotten out of the habit of, of going, Pastor, you mean to tell me we, you know, after hearing you now, we got to go someplace else and hear you? Well, but, you know, we, 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 we're not going to do all the things that we used to do, packing up the vans and the sound systems and all that. But if we happen to get there, I'm not looking for that. I'm just saying that sometimes if someone invites us to go and share, I think we need to go and be a blessing. Because if God is blessing us, I want to be a blessing to somebody else. All right? But that was, that was called the annual days program. Uh, people didn't use it as a fundraising mechanism. But if you do it God's way, there will be meat in the Lord's house. There will be sufficiency to do the work of ministry. When you make wise decisions in, in your stewardship and don't overburden people, but believe God, he will make a way. Can I get a witness up in here? All right, all right, all right, all right. All right. Say, so get back, Pastor. Get back, Pastor. All right, now watch this church. Watch this church. All the believers devoted themselves. How many of y'all are devoted to the things of God? Or you, you, you sort of a, well, Pastor, I, I, don't, I, go, I don't go so far with you now, Pastor. Uh, you know, Pastor, you, you know, there's too much change going on around here. Well, what did I tell y'all? I did a 12 or 15 part series on commitment to what? Did I not? I'm not fussing. I'm just trying to talk to y'all like a pastoral leader. I love all of y'all. And I know that some, and hear me carefully, I know that some, some of y'all have certain preferences, and preferences are fine. We're, we're not, we ain't knocking, we ain't going to fall out about that. But, but, but there are certain things that God is, God is doing to move us and to position us to have greater kingdom impact. So my question to you is, do you want to have greater Im- kingdom impact, or you, you just want to be satisfied with, with what you want? I tell you, we come here to praise him, not because of we're so good, but because he's good. Are y'all tracking with me? So, so, so as we change, or, or as the church changes, and as God gives us direction, we move at the Lord's command. We don't, I, listen, I don't just flippantly get up and do something. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to make sure we biblically sound, and I'm going to make sure that we're following God's word. So, so as we go through that process, I appreciate your prayers. And when, and when something changes that you don't like, just pray. Just pray. Amen. 
And I appreciate some of y'all. Some of y'all have, we've had conversations and, and others have conversations. And I, I'm okay with talking about the issues. Again, listen, I, I think I'm an okay guy. And I, I've always said I have an open door so we can talk. All right, so, but, but the point is, let's keep our focus on Jesus. Can we keep moving? All the believers did what? Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and the prayer. Now, look what the next verse says. Watch this. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous what? Signs and wonders. Text says that, keep reading. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Look at the next verse. Let's keep reading. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, guys, this, this concept here, uh, when you look at this, they, they sold possession at this point in time. Now, now again, this is not communism. <laughs> this is the church coming together saying there are people who have needs and we're going to pool our resources to help meet those needs of those who are there. Because again, remember the day of Pentecost just happened and there were many who came from different parts of the globe at that time for the day of Pentecost, for the feast of Pentecost and the Holy Ghost fell in the second chapter. He was ushered into the earth realm and po- people sat there and they basked in the glory of the Holy Spirit and what he did on the day of Pentecost. So much so that they wouldn't move. They stood, they stayed in Jerusalem, basking in the glory, fellowshipping. But God had told them, I need you to take this gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now y'all sitting here basking in the glory. Oh God, we, didn't we have a good time? Oh, the service was good. The choir, the praise team blessed us. Pastor Adam gave us a halfway word. It was all, it was all right, but you know. <laughs> man, we, we had a good time. How many of y'all ever left church saying, man, we had a good time? But see, guys, church is more than about having a good time. Thank God we want to have a, we want to have a time of engagement where we can learn, we can bless the Lord, we worship and praise him. But guys, ultimately, we got to go. We got to do this stuff. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. They sold their property and possession and shared the money with those in need. Watch what the text says. Watch this. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is the early church. That, 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 was, that was growing and, and, and maturing, yet still they, they, God had to push them out of Jerusalem because, you know, they were, they were staying there in Jerusalem and the gospel had to get to these Gentile regions that Paul, who, 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 who came along in the ninth chapter and was saved on the road to Damascus, he was very instrumental in, in taking that gospel beyond that. So, so how did God get them to move? Persecution. And I, I, I have, listen, guys, the more we, we, we transition and the more we learn about this pandemic and, and, and what is it, it meant for us as a church as we evaluate who we are and how we're going to go forward and how can we be most effective as a ministry. You know, we, we, you know, we started hybrid church where we do live stream now and we're not going to back off a of live stream. Uh, because now that gives us another tool to get the gospel beyond the four walls of this church because everybody ain't going to drive the bit. Right? So we're still going to get the word out far beyond the four walls of this church. 
Uh, but, but as we do that, guys, we got to realize that God wants us to, to be focused on the mission and the vision for the church. He says, all the while praising God and enjoying the good will of all people, and each day the Lord adds to the fellowship those who were being saved. Now watch this. Come on. Can we unpack some things? The Acts 2 church excelled at authentic community. They met in each other's home. I'll tell you, I I, I didn't appreciate, I'll be honest with you, I didn't appreciate the value of doing that until we did this study. Uh, This is, uh, oh gosh, it'll be, um, oh, I guess it'll be, uh, uh, it'll be at least a year, well, it was a year this past uh, June and July when we started, we did a study with a group that's, uh, many of that core group is in here now, Uh, we we did a, a study called multi-ethnic conversations. And we met and studied the word of God. And I didn't really realize the value of and the intimacy that's involved with meeting in someone's home. Some of y'all good at restaurant like I was. I told you what my buddy Tim Ross told me, didn't When I was telling him about all the preacher friends that I have in, in the multi-ethnic relationship. And, and, and then when I, that, in that book, it asked me a question that I really kind of felt embarrassed about, Nancy. The book asked me a question. And I want to ask you this question. When was the last time or if you ever had someone of a different ethnicity in your home to eat, to share a meal together? Now, some of y'all getting a little warm when I ask that. What that got to do with anything, Pastor? Well, it's got everything to do with learning how to have authentic community. Because I didn't appreciate and know how how much... uh, uh, Looks like walls break down when you cut. If you invite somebody to your home, that describes a deeper level of intimacy. When Tim told me, said, said, y'all doing lunch together. Y'all ain't doing life together. That was me and the preachers and and brother were meeting and we would have great fellowship time. But I never invited them and they never invited me to their homes. Because when I invite you to my home, that signifies that we're going deeper. All right, now we're going to get to it, Pastor. Oh, Pastor, you, 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 I just don't want nobody over my house. Well, let me ask you something. The early church did this very well. well I don't want to be going over nobody's house. Well, see, what that tells me is that there's something, and I, I have to admit that there was something missing in me as it relates to uh, uh, going deeper in relationships because many of y'all sitting there looking at me right now although you think you do authentic relationship work some of y'all let me, let me, okay can, can I talk can, I, can we be real some of y'all got friends that you say you're friends and y'all 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 don't ever connect in each other's houses but y'all best friends wink wink can I, can, I, can I talk to you real plainly? Because, you, you, and again, it doesn't matter what type of house you have. So, so, so to get off of that, if, if you're worried about what people are going to think about your house, that means you've got some deeper insecurities. Be thankful for what the Lord has blessed you with. Keep it clean, smelling good. 
I don't care if it's a two-bedroom apartment. You can have somebody over to your two-bedroom apartment. I don't care if it's a mobile home. Invite them to your mobile home. It may be a five-bedroom, four-and-a-half-bath house in the suburbs. Invite them to that. Guys, whenever you find somebody talking about their stuff and what they got, then that shows me that's an insecure person because they, 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 they allow their stuff to make them. I, listen, you, you won't hear me uh, brag one time about where I live, what I do. That, that stuff is irrelevant. And anytime you see somebody doing that, they got something missing. I will tell you that up front on purpose because it's not about the stuff you have. It's about what's in your heart. Oh, can I get moving? Say, teach, preacher. Okay, I'm going to keep doing it, okay? All right, watch this. So authentic community is something that we're encouraging you to embrace. Because some of y'all, like me, I didn't really understand that, that I was not embracing that. My wife has been telling me for the longest time, she says, you know, I want us to do something different with our home so we can make it more conducive to to, to, to hosting small groups. That's what she said. And I said, baby, you know what? That, that's, I, that, that's God. And because again, uh, we want to we be, uh, first of all, as a pastor, I want to be approachable. How many of y'all have been in a church where you couldn't talk to the pastor? I'm telling you right now, you can call him and talk to him. Now, if you refuse to do that, quit. Bo- Quit blaming me because you won't do what Matthew 18 and 15 says. If there's, there's something you don't understand, there's an auto, whatever it is, you go to the person one-on-one. Don't tell everybody else. Right? This woman right here. I tell you, we work with this woman right here. <laughs> Sister Barton. Sister Barton and I have had some, uh, some deep abiding conversations. And, and all of them, ain't, sometimes she coming out with, like, with, with both guns loaded. But you know what? That don't bother me because I know her heart. And, and she, when she's passionate about something, she's passionate about something. And there's some, there's some things that we don't agree with. And, and, and what I will tell you is when I show in the word, she might not even feel it, but she said, that's true. And I'm going to try my best to do it. Are y'all with me? All right. So, so, so we, we have to learn how to be relational and be authentic. The Acts 2 church excelled at authentic community. Can I keep moving? Gosh, y'all, listen, I gave y'all all these notes, but I know I ain't, I'm not even going to get to this, my base scripture today, but y'all coming back next week, aren't you? I'm not telling you something, guys. I don't want to just be sitting up here and just giving you some doctoral thesis about whatever. I need you to take this word and begin to live it out. Because what God is trying to do through this church, I think was going to shake this community up. Because you don't see what's happening here happening in this region. I, I mean, if somebody listens to this live stream, call me and tell me a church that's what you see is led by African-American leadership, African-American pastor, and you have Caucasian believers coming to unite with that church. You don't see it that often. Now, you see it the other way around. I'll tell you what Durbin says about the chocolate chips. In the vanilla ice cream. But when you start seeing a squirrel, 
People get nervous. What I'm telling you, when we know what the, y'all, y'all have a theological foundation for God's plan for his church. Nobody, you, you, it sh- you should not even have any doubt what God's plan is for his church. Now it's, it's up to us to begin to, to make that come into fruition. So not only it's, do we see it in the universal church, but we see it in our local church from the standpoint, the beauty of the diversity and the unity that comes from that. that that's what's going to impact our communities. God is, here's what I'm saying. God has called this church together so that we can impact the community. When something jumps off in the community, now that we're in relationship, we can talk about it together. Rather than saying, well, them folks, them folks, it's us. And now us can go and deal with the issue. Doggone it. (laughs) The Acts 2 church excelled at, they devoted themselves to the church and to each other. Now, note in, in our new members' orientation class, we cover the five purposes of the church. We we talk about cultivating authentic community. We talk about experience worship as part of our lifestyle because worship is not just something you do on Sunday. It's a lifestyle. It's how you're living. That's why I'm actually on you the real deal. Because I'm not listen as a pastor. I've been doing this for 32 years now. I said I've been doing this for 32 years, and I've seen a whole lot. And then nothing you say or do going to surprise me for the most part. I'm going to say it again. Nothing you do or say is going to surprise me for the most part. I know some of y'all cuss like a sailor. <laughs> when you leave here, but I'm still going to work with you. We're going we're to keep praying and preaching the cuss out of you. <laughs> because let no feel, like I, I told you what I did with my wife. We first got saved. We first got married. She hadn't been saved that long. She was playing in the church. God, listen, this is her testimony. She shared it with the new members class of the night. Listen, Marrera was from the seventh grade on up through college. She was playing piano for her home church and wasn't even saved. Just like some of y'all have been coming to church for a long time and probably not even saved. Don't even know what the concept of salvation really is. Oh, you were a good church member. But, it, but she had a problem with when she would get mad, she would curse at me. I tell y'all, one night we were into it. This is the first two years of our marriage. When I was questioning my decision and she was questioning her decision. (laughs) I was 22 and she was 20 when we got married. Listen, that's not too young to get married. Just that we didn't have any examples. I mean, real life examples where we saw people doing marriage the right way. We just didn't have it. So we were kind of doing it on the fly until one day we started searching the book and finding out what the word of God says about marriage. That's why, that's why guys, that's why to this day for 25 plus years, we, we invest in marriage ministry. As a matter of fact, stay tuned. We're going we're gonna to be hosting something here in February around Valentine's Day for marriage ministry because I realized that once we learned about what God's word says about marriage, we begin to do it better. But she would cuss me, Richard. And here's what I would do. I would get my Bible and I would come behind her. Let no filthy communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Keisha, she went in the door and slapped the door. 
Now, this is a testimony. She says, I don't care what that blankety-blank Bible says. <laughs> and, and from that day forward, I don't think, I can't remember, that from that day forward, has she ever cursed me again? Because conviction came. The Holy Spirit convicted her. When I came with her with the word, I, yeah, I was being a little bit devilish too, you know. <laughs> but, but from that day forward, guys, she didn't do it again. But we started doing marriage the way the word says do it, okay? All right, so let me get back. So, so worship is a part of our lifestyle. It's what you do, not just how you sing or lift your hands. It's your lifestyle. We, 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 we cover three takes st- successive steps for spiritual growth. We talk about authentic community. We talk about worship as a lifestyle. We talk about spiritual growth. We talk about personal stewardship. Because, you know, if, for where a man's treasury is, that where his heart be also. So if you can't trust God with your financial resources, then you can't really trust him. If I can trust you with my money, I can trust you. Amen. Is that right? All right. And lastly, we cover uh, outreach, reaching out to the world around us. See, some of y'all are sitting here, and I, I know I, I, I have no doubt that you love God and you're saved. But when's the last time you really reached out to try to minister to somebody who's not already in your church? When's the last time you said you woke up on a Monday morning and said, "Lord, I'm going to work today. Put somebody in my path who needs to know you. God, allow me to build a relationship." with somebody at work where they can begin to trust me and I can earn the right to sow into their life the gospel truths that have been so dear, near and dear to me. Pray that prayer. Outreach. We got to be involved. Helping the less fortunate, you know, connecting with ministries that do things and we do things ourselves at the church, but outreach is, is taking the gospel out of the four walls. Doggone in my time is going. Alright, so uh, so, but, but in order to do that, guys, we, 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 gotta, we got to trust and know that God's word is true and that we can operate by it. Um, we're going to talk about how to, how, to, how to experience authentic community. It's on your island. Number one, you got to make time for it. Authentic community. Real community. You have to what? Make time. You can't find it. You got to make it. How many of y'all ever said, if I find the time, I'll do it? No, you can't find it. You got to make that time. Are y'all with me today? You got to make time. You commit to an intentional group of people on a regular basis. You You connect with the group and you make it such a priority that you show up when they meet. I, I've, been, I've been watching this thing even as we do our church-wide studies, some people start out good and then they fade. And that's been their pattern. Okay? Let's break that pattern. Okay? Uh, Because, hear me carefully, because relationships don't just happen, you and I need to deliberately make time for them. You, 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 some, some people say, well, you know, you, you're pushing, you're pushing, Pastor. Just, just, just let it happen. No, you got to make, make it happen. Relationships have to be made to happen. In other words, God, the Holy Spirit is going to lead whoever wants to come to church. We've been saying this for years. Ever since I've been passing this church, I said, whosoever will, let them come. 
People don't have a problem with that until whosoever will start coming. Are y'all listening to me today? See, people talk a good game, but the question I got to ask, are you the real deal? Are you really embracing the concept of the gospel message? Are you playing? So, so, so you got to make time for, we can't have deep relationships. Um, in other words, these gospel deep abiding relationships don't just happen. Uh, you need to be deliberate in making time for them. You can't have deep relationship with everyone, but we can cultivate some authentic relationship with a few. In other words, Everybody's not going to be your best friend. If you got 15 best friends, you don't really have best friends. If you notice Jesus, he had his 12 disciples, right? One of them, you know, wasn't right in the head and in the heart. But he had, he had, he had this eclectic group of guys that he called. And notice he did not call the, 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 the socially elite to follow him. He, he, he. Just, just go back and study those original 12 apostles. He had fishermen and, and guys, you know, just, you know, one was a zealot, you know, just a, a political zealot. You know, he had all kinds of people that he called to follow him. But he had an inner circle, too. Three of those guys, were they Peter, James, and John? The ones who he allowed to go up to the mountain of transfiguration with him. And so, so he had that inner circle too. So what, I'm not telling you that everybody that you meet is going to be uh, in your inner, inner circle. But you ought to have a group where you can meet with and y'all can, y'all can encourage each other and challenge each other and have some authentic communion and fellowship. Don't let your fellowship just be on Sunday morning or at a 2.30 program. Because I, I got so tired of hearing this. And we, we, we would say this when we go to a 2.30 program, how good it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And we actually thought that was fellowship. But fellowship involves more than just meeting for a service. It involves spending time together outside the four walls of the church. Now, look, look at me, y'all. Look at me. Come on, come on. Look, look at your past. All right. All of us have to work on that. Because here's what we're telling. I'm, I'm too busy. You're too busy to do the Lord's work. Well, I got all this going on. I'm doing this. Well, uh, my, my question is, what's priority in your life? Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I, but Christ lives in me. Are you willing to give up what you want for what God wants? And the sad reality is many Christians aren't ready to do that. I can't make you become a disciple if you don't want to become a disciple. And you know what? As a pastor, I've learned I can't, I'm not going to spend my time trying to twist your arm. I'm going to encourage you. But I've told you before, I learned a long time ago and this freed me. What am I going to get ready to say? Grown people will do what grown people want to do. If they don't want to do it, they'll find an excuse why not to do it. And in their mind, they think they really, they really being genuine about it. But, but, but really, when you, when, you, when you pull back the covers, it's because they really don't want to do it. And they come up with every excuse in the book. When you wanted to get with him, you found a way to get with him, didn't you? Even when mama said it's a curfew, even when mama said she better not go somewhere, somehow or another, you found a way to get out that house. Can I, I'm, I'm trying to make it real. 
Your parents told you, we forbid you from dating him. Okay. You told your mama you were going to the basketball game. You went in the basketball game with your ticket in hand to prove that you went to the game and went out the back door, got in the car with him, and came back when the game ended when mama came to pick you up. Oh, was that, that, was that one of y'all's schemes? Huh? You found a way, even as a teenager, to get with what my point is you'll do what you want to do. All right. You make time for it. Number two, you contribute to it. It's one thing to show up for a small group. Anybody can do that. But a good group bonds and jails when the members of the group make a conscious effort to be contributors to that group. Somebody calls those who are absent or late concerned about them. Somebody, uh, you know, uh, during group meeting, class meeting, you pay attention and you add a comment or two so that so the really good discussion happens. The bottom line is that you learn to do life together, speak the truth and love to one another, and make each other's lives better as a result. So you contribute to it. Third thing you do is you, make, you, you, you take a genuine interest in the lives of others. And guys, this is usually, this is usually easier for women than it is for men uh, to take a genuine interest in the lives of others. Women tend to do a little bit better than men. Can we be honest? I said, can we be honest? Women will, will, will go a little bit deeper and start talking about their feelings <laughs> and what they're going through. Brothers be up there talking about, well, football, football. You see that game last night? Oh, man. Who's going to win tonight, the Cowboys or the Vikings? What you think? Is that, is that the real deal? And we talk about that kind of stuff. But you rather hear a brother open up and say, you know what, my wife said something to me the other night that it really hurt my feelings, man. It, it hurt me deep to the core. And man, I was, I was sitting there thinking, man, dog, man, am I that bad? See, guys don't necessarily go that way. Guy be like, I'm all right. How many times have you been asked, how are you doing, brother? Great. Blessed to the Lord and highly favored, and you're hurt on the inside. Because we don't necessarily go, we, 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 we don't want to be vulnerable. Guys, are, but, but we got to learn to be vulnerable so we can get help. We can help each other if we let each other help each other. Take a genuine interest in the lives of others. Go to Psalm 133 right quick. Dog, oh, man, you know, I want to unpack this, but I don't have time to do it today. Will y'all let me start here next week? Psalms 133, I've I, I shared this with y'all before, but it's, it's, it's a powerful, it's powerful imagery of what David thought about community. Just, just turn that right quick and, and look at it. Look at it. Watch this. Can I share this with you? And, and, and I'm finishing. I promise you. I'm letting y'all go. Okay. Because we, we, when we first started this, we were doing good. Get out at 1130. And now I'm kind of pushing the envelope a little bit. But this is important. This is important. Psalms 130. Go, go, to, the, go to the KJV. I love, I love the KJV's version of this. Go, go to the KJV on this. Brother Jerry, man, I, listen, I've been praying for you this week. I know Brother Joe Cook passed away and he was like a dad to you. And man, I've been praying for you. Um, uh, Joe was a good man. Good man. Watch this, watch this. Behold, can y'all read with me? How good and pleasant 
It is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Now remember, remember what Jesus said over in John 17, that he was praying before he went to the Father, that they would be in unity. His disciples would have the same unity, that they would be as one as he and the Father are one. Now watch this. Psalms 133 is almost exactly in the middle of the Bible, and it's one of the shortest chapters in the Bible, but it speaks a powerful truth. This psalm was written by King David, who experienced the power of authentic community in the company of a close group of friends who he called, they, they were known as David's mighty men, mighty men of valor. That phrase in verse, in verse 1, for brothers to dwell together in unity, is a powerful statement, guys. Listen to me carefully. Unity and community can be used synonymously here because David is speaking much more about living together in a tight communal relationship than simply keeping peace and not arguing or having discord. Most people think of unity as just you know, the absence of, of conflict. No, unity is not the absence of conflict because sometimes when you're dealing with people who are different than you are, there's going to be conflict. But we've learned how to have crucial conversations Start applying that stuff. We learn how to have emotional relationship. Start applying that stuff. And so because there is a disagreement, don't be afraid to talk about the disagreement. You'll never get to a state where you have authentic relationship if you can't talk about what needs to be talked about. Some of y'all in your marriages right now, uh, it's not really authentic because you can't talk about what you want to talk about. Wait a minute, if I say that, I've heard brothers tell me this all the time, and sisters too. Man, if I say that, man, she's going to go off. It's going to be World War III. So I just keep quiet. You're going to sit up there in the house and live with somebody and keep quiet about something that needs to be talked about. And y'all are supposed to be in covenant relationship. You Christians, saved, sanctified, and you speak in other tongues too. But you can't get along. Everybody said, that ain't right. Say it like they said, that ain't right. All right, watch this, guys. Watch this. It says the phrase in verse 1, for brothers to dwell together in unity, is a powerful statement. It speaks of this communal relationship that David had. I shared with you guys before that in David's day, listen to me carefully, there were two great officers in the nation of Israel. One was the king, which the office of the king, which David served in, and the other was the position of the high priest. And the high priest position was hereditary. It was passed down uh, from, from father to son in the lineage of the first high priest who was Aaron, Moses' brother. Listen to this. When he says how good it is for, for brethren to dwell together in unity, look at what he says in his next verse. Come on, guys. Move. He says, it is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, high priest, that went down to the skirts of his garments. Next verse, let's read. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountain of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. So guys, listen to this real carefully. What does that got to do with the tea in China? Why did David say that as it relates to unity? Here's why. If you don't know, understand the context and the, and, the, and, the, and the environment he was talking to, you'll miss all of this. Here's what was happening, guys. The office of the high priest was a lifetime position. So most people only got to see the anointing of one high priest in their lifetime. And so, uh, and when that happened, it was a grandiose celebration, sort of like our presidential inauguration. That's a pretty big thing, isn't it? When they inaugurate the president of the United States. 
Well, why was it such a big deal? Well, because the person being anointed was the person who was going to represent the people to God on a daily basis. Now, watch this, guys. On a daily basis, the high priest also would make it possible for their sins to be forgiven uh, through a great annual sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. So the high priest represented man to God. And on the Day of Atonement, he took, he took, the, he took the sacrificial offering for the sins of the people, that which it, it, it didn't wipe it away, but it covered their sins. Are y'all with me? So that they could be all right with God. But listen to this. When a high priest was anointed, I told y'all this before, when a high priest was anointed, the whole nation would gather in Jerusalem and after some prayers, a special mixture of oil and spices, hear me carefully, a mixture, guys, a mixture only used for the anointing of the high priest and nothing and no one else in all of Israel. That, that mixture was poured lavishly over the head of the new priest. So much oil was poured on his head that it dripped down the sides of his head and splashed onto his collar uh, uh, of his priestly robe. But now listen to this. Unless you were lucky enough to outlive the high priest, the fragrance giving off by that special mixture was only smelled once in a person's lifetime. And that was a valuable thing. That special mixture was not used for anything else. Guys, it... And that made it, its uniqueness made it valuable. How many of y'all saw where, when Tom Brady uh, threw his 600 uh, career touchdown pass? I think it was last week. Did y'all see that? And then I think it was Mike Evans who caught the pass, went and gave the ball to a fan. All right? Now, again, most of us may not ever see another quarterback throw 600 TD passes. So guess what? That ball became valuable. So they... So much so they went back and retrieved it because Tom Brady wanted to keep it in his collection. But later on, it was found out, guys, that that ball was estimated to be worth five hundred to six hundred thousand dollars. A football. Why was that football valued at five hundred to six hundred thousand dollars? Because of the uniqueness of that touchdown that was thrown. No, I listen. I'm fifty-eight, and I probably won't see another quarterback. Play as long as Tom Brady. The dude is what, 44 years old, Tyrone? He's 44 years old and playing better than he did when he was 25 years old. I don't, listen, I, I, I don't particularly care for the Bucks. They won the Super Bowl, but I got to get a dude credit. Dude's off the chain. Come on. You can't sack him because he get rid of the ball so quick, right? But that 600 TD pass was unique and the ball was valued. Can you imagine this oil that was only poured out? Most people only saw it once in a lifetime, how valuable that was. David chose to use that, the valuableness of the, and the uniqueness of that oil as a picture of how unity amongst the brethren is. Think about that for a second. The value of unity, and, and, and it makes perfect sense because when Jesus prayed in John, the 17th chapter, he says, Father, make them one as you and I are one so that the world will know you sent me. Unity is so valuable to God. That one of the last things Jesus prayed was for unity in the body of Christ. It seems like unity escapes us, escapes the church. We divide on 
all kinds of stuff, denominational lines. We divide, well, they believe women can preach. We don't. They speak in tongues. We don't. So we can't deal with y'all, 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 y'all freakish. Y'all weird. We believe in meeting on Saturday. Y'all believe in meeting on Sunday. We can't deal with y'all. So all this division that takes place, unity is precious. Can I pick up the, the dew of Mount Hermon on next week? Can I tell you how valuable that was to Israel? Can I tell you all that, about that next week? We'll, we'll pick up next week. But I, I want you to, I want you to hear, hear me carefully. David chose that oil that was only used, most people saw it once in a lifetime. And the valuable and the uniqueness of it was so that, that he described unity with that oil that ran down the high priest's face. That oil that was only, think about this for a second, you only smelled it once in a lifetime. He says, that's how valuable it is when brethren dwell together in unity. God wants to use this church. Y'all hear me? This is, this, I'm not the prophet, he's the son of a prophet, but this is a prophetic word that God is giving right now. God wants to use this church to show this society, this community, what it means to walk in unity. God wants to use this church to show other believers how, how different ethnicities can get along on the common ground of Christ. God wants to use this church to, to, to show a dying world that he still loves them. And he wants, he's pushing this church to be more engaged in outreach. To take the message and the love of God out from amongst these four walls and stop just saying we had a good time and say, let's go work together. Let's go serve together. That's what God is after. And my question to you is, in, 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 is are you the real deal? Because you got to be the real deal to engage in in, 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 in connecting an authentic community. If you're just faking it, kind of just saying, well, yeah, I'm just going to do this, I'm going to go to this class, and, you know, and, and, and once I get through this class, I'm through, Pastor. Do you know, and we have people in this church that, that never commit to discipleship training. Let me say this right quick, and I, I got to go. My time is up. Literally, it's up. But until you submit to discipleship training, and a part of that, you can't really go any further in God in this church. Because how could I put you in leadership and you won't even come and study and be trained? Or how can I put you in leadership and you don't embrace what the, what the scripture teaches? If you don't follow the word of God as rightly divided, then how can you really be someone others can count on to speak true to them if you won't do it yourself? Here's where I am in my life, and I'll tell you where I am. I, I'm at a point now where, I, I, and I've learned, and I, I'll share this on next, next week because, you know, many times I'm going to talk about two kinds of faith, okay? And I'm going to talk about two kinds of belief, and we're going to unpack that next week, all right? Because what I've discovered is everybody that's saying they believe God and that they love God don't really know what they're saying. They're not really, they're not really... They're not really loving God like they say they are. God's love will be personified and be manifested in obedience to what God's word says, regardless of how you feel and what you think. And guys, as I tell you before, 
I'm, I grew up a shy guy. Carl can tell you this. When I was in high school, I didn't say more than two or three words. Amen. Obviously, that's changed. <laughs> but if God, I, I share that with you because if God can take a shy fellow like me and turn him into a preacher who shares the word of God for an hour, <laughs> imagine what he can do with you. If you just trust him. This is not my natural comfort zone. I'll tell you, it's not. It's not my natural bent. But, Bobby, I understood what God called me to do. So even though it's not my natural bent, I'm going to be obedient. And I let the Holy Spirit do what he does. I write a bunch of notes sometimes because I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to run out of things to say, but I don't ever run out of things to say. <laughs> and most of the time I don't get to half, I, 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 got, I only got to a quarter of what I had written down today. But that's next week. And I'll see y'all next week. Every head bowed right close. Father, we thank you and praise you for this privilege and this opportunity.